That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one regretful minute at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. I'm Janae. And today we have with us Alex from the Galaxy Quest Minute podcast. Yeah, that one. So we're glad to have you with us today, Alex. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Ready to talk about some uh, violent and scary beast action. (laughs) Yeah. We definitely have some of that in this minute. But... I do have a note on that later that it's it's not as, as scary. Well, it's scary, but it's not as uh, she's not in as much danger as we might feel. So uh, before we get started in that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your future podcast that you're working on? Yeah, so we're going to be covering the 1999 movie Galaxy Quest, uh, the Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman R.I.P. classic. Uh, one minute at a time, same format. Be dropping the pilot sometime mid-September, so should hopefully be out around the time this episode drops, and then Mm -hmm. we'll be starting up the main episodes a little later that fall. Awesome. And what brought you to to want to do a podcast about Galaxy Quest? Well, Galaxy Quest is one of my favorite movies. It's somewhere up in my top five. They're not really in any particular (laughs) order. Um, And then I've been listening to the movies by minutes podcast for years i think i'm subscribed to 12 of them wow because i have deep-seated problems um and (laughs) yeah so figure it's about time for me to add to the world i've been taking from that's so awesome i think that's how most of us get started in this (laughs) well like i said we're glad to have you on and today we are talking about minute 44 which starts off with Belle checking out a slashed painting where we left her last time and ends with her running down the stairs away from the beast. Can I start off on this a little bit? You can start off. So I wanted to talk about kind of... uh, Okay, so are you guys familiar with the original French novel? Nope. Not very. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I read it not that long ago. I actually read it before we started doing this podcast just because I was interested and wanted to know what it was like. And it's super good. But basically, she comes from like this large family. There's like six kids and the dad is a merchant and he goes off. Before he leaves, he says, oh, what do you kids want? And they all say all these fancy unimportant materialistic things and she says i just want you to come home safe and he's like no what do you really want and she said okay bring me a rose because they're like down in their luck and whatever and he goes and he gets lost and ends up at the beast castle right and he picks a rose and that's why he gets imprisoned in the original story Mm -hmm. but something else about the original story that you don't really see very much in this version is that every night the beast comes and spends the evening with her and he'll like eat dinner with her every night Mm -hmm. and they become friends and they spend hours talking and every night he asks her to marry him and every Mm -hmm. night she says no and then 
Every night, without fail, she has this dream about a handsome prince who asks her why she refuses to marry him. And she keeps just replying, I, he's just my friend. I don't love him. Um, but she's trying to, but she loves the prince. She wants to marry the prince in her dream, but not hmm. the beast. Oh, so the, so the prince in her dream is asking why she's not marrying the beast. Well, I was, I can't remember very well. It's been a while. I'm pretty sure... I can't remember which way it is. <laughs> anyway, <Okay. laughs> but I... Okay, you know what? <sighs> it's been a long week. <sighs> um, but anyway, she... I just think it's interesting that we don't really get that part of the story in this version because in reality, the prince in her dream is the beast. Right. And so we don't really get that in this. And all we get is this picture that she sees of him. Whereas like in the original version, she thinks, I feel like, I don't know if I'm recalling right, it's been a while since I read it, that she thought that the beast had him imprisoned somewhere. Oh. And so she's like trying to find this prince that's hidden somewhere in the castle or whatever when really he's before her the whole time and so I think that that is a really cool facet of the story that we just kind of get this glimpse of with the picture the painting mm -hmm. of him where she's like oh who is this person that he's got a portrait of in his bedroom you know yeah but yeah that's all I had to say I thought that original part of the story was really cool and interesting and even though I didn't remember it perfectly and I just wanted to share that <laughs> yeah that sounds a lot like what happens in I think it's the 2014 French version of Beauty and the Beast there's actually also a musical version that I love that is she's got like two brothers and two sisters and it follows the original story and she has the dreams and like tries to find him and everything it's really good probably actually read the original book huh yeah <laughs> i should probably reread it now that we're like what almost halfway through the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well my first note is uh that i love the expressiveness of her eyes when she's examining this painting and i didn't realize till i rewatched it like four times that she doesn't actually get to see his whole face like she starts lifting up the flap to see his face and then she gets distracted by the rose so she never actually sees his face she just sees these eyes that's the only part that's really intact enough for her to see and then at the end, that kind of ties back in here that she squints and recognizes. She did that same squinting and recognizes his eyes from the painting as well as from knowing him as the beast. She's like, oh, all three sets of eyes are, are the same. Mm. So I always thought it was just her recognizing the beast from his eyes. And she's realizing that this is a picture of him when she recognizes that later on. So I thought that was good. Mm. So then why didn't she recognize him when she saw his eyes as the beast, do you think? I think she probably just didn't even think about it, didn't remember, you know, that, hey, there's this painting that I kind of saw but didn't see his whole face. And I don't think that clicks in her brain until she sees him as a human again. And it's like, what? And then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that painting with the eyes that I saw. <laughs> so... Okay, That's I could buy I that. Think. I would imagine she probably... It's harder to put two and two together from looking at an old painting in the dark versus yeah. this yeah. kind of dogman beast thing. But then <laughs> it's probably relatively easy to see the dogman beast thing turn into a man and then go, oh, yeah, yeah right, that painting. Right, right. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a good point that our last episode we talked about, you know, how creepy of an environment this was and, you know, her more of her feelings of being scared and in this, you know, nasty, dank, horribly smelling place that is the beast's lair. So she probably 
didn't have her her full thinking cap on while looking at this stuff and being freaked out about things. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's a question maybe you guys have thought about when so she's looking at the picture and you get this close up of her eyes squinting at it and all of a sudden there's this pinky rosy light that mm -hmm. like shines on a part of her face which is what draws her attention to the rose. Do mm -hmm. you why do you think at that moment all of a sudden the light gets brighter and she notices it whereas like before it wasn't it was just shining normally like do you think the rose was trying to get her attention or something yes yeah, so I, <laughs> I had a note about this as well it's like okay so the flower lights up and it wants her to see it so we have this rose and my thought was kind of that you have the rose slash curse that it's kind of the same thing like the curse is part of the rose and i wonder if we can think of that as a character in the story mm. like it's not just an object that holds this magical thing but the curse is actually a character that acts and drives the story along because we know that when maurice was running from the wolves you know it opened up the gate and let him in and then that let the gate lock again to keep the wolves out um so it let maurice in it let's Belle see it like it could have just hidden itself in the darkness but it let Belle see its light and drew her over which we'll see kind of leads to her leaving the castle and the wolf fight and the bandaging scene so this is kind of the catalyst that takes their relationship from angry yelling at each other to uh what it becomes later yeah so 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 i agree <laughs> so does the rose itself have a will or is it maybe acting on behalf of say the witch who placed the curse in the first place i don't know i kind of i kind of like the idea that the rose is in itself an entity like the curse is part of the rose and that it has like its own will and desire to to move things along it's enforcing this curse but doesn't necessarily want it to last forever and maybe that's because the witch like imbued it with her sense of this is supposed to teach you a lesson, not punish you for eternity. Right. Making stuff up. I think it's interesting <laughs> that the rose is the, I mean, not interesting, but I think it's telling that the only thing in this whole space, this lair um, room, the only thing that is untouched is the rose. Yeah. Everything else has signs of destruction and has been torn apart and ruined. And I mean, obviously it makes sense that that is the only thing that hasn't been touched because he's probably terrified that something will happen to it and he'll yeah. be stuck that way forever. But it creates a really good contrast between the rose and the significance of it and then how he possibly views himself and the way he treats his own possessions and things like that mm -hmm. yeah i think there's one other thing in the room that's not untouched but it's still in good condition it's the magic mirror the hand mirror oh yeah there's yeah. that too yeah they're both kind of on this pedestal of uh <laughs> I, I don't know a pedestal <laughs> pedestal, pedestal of significance that, the, yeah that the, that's lifted up above the rest the creepy people pedestal realistically <laughs> though she probably couldn't do any harm to the magic flower, right? I mean, if it's been surviving for almost 10 years and only drop it and not plant it in anything, that but, flower's But fine. have you tried to pick up a rose that's already wilting? Uh, not lately. Well, if you, <laughs> if you do, 
You like pick it up. If it's already wilting, you're like, oh, it'll be fine. No, you touch it. All the petals just immediately fall off and you have just like touched it. So, I mean, wilting flowers are very fragile. So I can kind of understand his (laughs) need to protect it and being uncertain of how it will react. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we have to question why does he have it in this bell jar? Is it because, you know, it would fall apart if you touch it and that would kill the curse? Or is that just Beast's paranoia? Like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to stick this jar on it to protect it just in case. (laughs) So I don't think we know. I don't think he knows. But I think he's just that's just showing Beast trying to protect this because that, you know, that's the curse. That's his life. That's everything. So he doesn't want that to end any sooner than it has to. And have him be stuck as a beast forever. I was kind of wondering what is propelling her to take the lid off, try and touch it. Like if it were me, (laughs) I I don't think my first instinctive reaction would be, oh, I'm going to touch this thing that's obviously very magical and mystical and is hidden away Mm -hmm. where I'm not supposed to be. I mean, she just seems like she's possessed by something because i'm like what is your motivation to do this i don't understand why you have so does to that touch come it. back to the idea of the rose having a will it, it, mm. is it the one rose <laughs> the, the one, one rose. rose to rule them all <laughs> you know <laughs> people reach out without thinking about it to grab the one ring that's true yeah, that's true well I'm, i was looking at the original screenplay here and she's scared there's a cold blast of wind She sees something sparkling out of the corner of her eye. The rose sits under a bell jar on a pedestal in front of the open window. It shimmers with enchantment. A rose? She approaches the rose with wide-eyed wonder. Its sparkling delicacy seems very much out of place in this filthy room. Bell grows closer. The rose is drooping. Two more petals have fallen to the bottom of the jar. There's a creak outside the window, but Bell is entranced by the rose, and she doesn't hear it. Fascinated, she reaches out toward the jar. A huge clawed hand grips the sill of the open window. Bell carefully lifts the jar as the beast climbs over the edge. He steps, shocked at the sight of her. Bell gazes with awe at the shimmering rose. She reaches out. So it sounds like, at least from the the screenplay, that it is kind of like putting a spell on her, you know. Mm -hmm. Its enchantment and its power is fascinating her and kind of drawing her into it. Interesting. And she's just curious. She's a curious 17-year-old. Yes, she is. Why not touch the rose? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to jump out of the story a little bit here to talk about the, I guess, the cinematography, if that's the right word for it. I love that during this part of the scene, and I guess during this whole scene, the music just keeps driving it on. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't clutter it up with a bunch of dialogue and words, and they could have very easily had Belle, like, monologuing to herself, like, oh, this room's all torn up. I wonder what happened here. Oh, it smells so gross and scary in here. You know, (laughs) she could have done this cheesy talking to herself as she's changing emotions and and as these different ideas are running through her head. But thankfully, they didn't do that. They went with, you know, letting the music lead us through these feelings and thoughts and emotions that she's having and using her expressions and the way she moves her body to convey all these feelings. And I just think they did an awesome job doing that. And then we also have here at like second five, we're looking at the rose and Belle as she's approaching it. And they didn't just show that they the the shot where they have that is kind of like a panning shot and you see you know bell moving respective to the rose and the camera's moving around both of them and you've got stuff in front of the camera but before you get to bell and the rose and it's all just moving as if you're spinning around this rose and it's shots like that that they totally didn't have to do at all but they did it and it makes it feel like you're actually there like with something blocking part of the camera as as they're they're moving around 
Yeah. You know, I just think it, it lends so much more reality to this movie versus some of the other cartoons that you can watch and, and see. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good point. Yeah. Show, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like that's like going back to something I've said before is that's what good acting is, is showing mm. and not having to tell and people being able to see in your expression and hear in your voice the subtext of what's going mm-hmm. on inside your head and in your feelings. And so I think that in so many ways with the music and with the shots and with the facial expressions, they accomplish that over and over again in this movie. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so what season is this? Because um, we see Breath from the Beast. But yes. not from Belle. She doesn't look especially cold. Mm-hmm. But it is winter out because she's about to run out to the wolves. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's already snowing. <laughs> is it wintry in there? She seems awfully underdressed for winter in an in a room that's open to the elements. That's a good point. It is winter, but we do have mm-hmm. to remember she was just coming from dinner and heading back to her room. Or like on a tour or whatever. So she wasn't exactly planning to come up to a room that was going to be half open. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, I mean, with the point of the breath, I just had a note later on that that's awesome that they put that detail in there. But it does kind of beg the question of if we can see Beast's breath, why can't we see Bell's uh, Mm. being that they're in the same room? And I guess jumping back to the screenplay, it says that he like crawled into the the window from the outside, like he was climbing the wall of the the castle outside. So maybe that's because he was exerting himself a little more. Mm. Um, But it's definitely probably cold in there because like you said, it's snowing. And before we saw there was a big snowstorm. So this is the, the onset of winter. It's definitely getting colder. Could it also be because I don't think we see the breath when they are actually out in the snow. Could it also just be that he can blow smoke (laughs) if he so chooses? Oh, I love that. He's like part dragon, but not quite enough to to be fire breathing. Since he seems to be an amorphous combination of many animals. Oh, yeah. He's got a little bit of everything. Um, I vote yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. New power for beasts. <laughs> That's so funny. I never even thought of that. <laughs> well, and it seems like like when he turns and sees her that he's surprised. Like he didn't expect to see her there. So I don't know if like he was just so caught up in what he was doing that he didn't notice her there. Or like if he heard her, you know, bouncing around and almost knocking over that table or- earlier. And so he, he came in looking for her and is surprised to find her in there. But it definitely seems like it's a little bit of a surprise for him to see her in there. Um, especially, you know, picking the bell jar off of his rose, which she's not very careful with that thing. No. I, I get pretty nervous around glass stuff, especially like big curved glass stuff that I know can be expensive and easy to break. And she just like picks it up and sets it down. No worries. <laughs> and then later, I guess even Beast like slams it down on the rose. That just makes me cringe that <laughs> I, I would probably break that stuff. And, like, no time it's probably magical glass let's be real it's enchanted (laughs) i guess yeah everything on that table is a a little enchanted so maybe maybe the rose came with the jar or maybe the rose imbued some of its magical power into the jar it does have those little 
Pixie does sparkly sparkles things. coming off of it. <laughs> yes, so sparkle rose, little eight bit uh, sparkles. Yeah, yeah. He's like super protective. I love that moment where he takes it and slams it back over, and he's like his whole body is like curved around the jar, yeah. and like his hand, his massive hands are like holding on to it for dear life, and she's just like what and he's like are you kidding me i mean that's what i think he's like inside i would have been like are you freaking kidding me don't touch my rose yeah my note there was mine no touchy my no touchy (laughs) my precious no touchy so he's got a little bit of a a golem a little bit of uh what's it what's the person Impersonal new group name uh, mm, what's his name cusco (laughs) cusco he's got a little cusco Cusco a little bit of golem I a mean, bit of dragon hoarder. <laughs> I do love his question that he asked, though. He says, why did you come here? And I was just, had never really thought about that before. But he says it in a very rational tone of voice. And I'm like, that's a really good question. Why mm-hmm. did you come here? Of course, his second question doesn't really make any sense to her. Do you realize what you could have done? Uh, No, she doesn't because you haven't told her anything. Yeah, you won't let anybody talk <laughs> to her about the enchantment. <laughs> Well, I had a thought with that first question, and it might not be relevant at all, but he said, why did you come here? And I stopped it when I was watching it right after that and thought about it. And when he first says that, it sounds like a question of like, okay, you know, given all that we've been through so far, you now seem to be doing something that's out of line with that. And so there's more suspicion. Like, why are you really here? Are you really like a secret undercover agent that's planted all this so you could get in here and get at my rose instead of just like why are you here in my room when i told you not to be so that was like oh does he have like all this paranoia that somebody's out to get him or has he had experiences that make him think that people are going to try to destroy him and you know sneak into his castle who are his enemies why why is he so protective of this thing well but then his next question kind of makes me think maybe that maybe he was just not saying that at all <laughs> well also if you think about it um he, I mean, he probably is pretty confused because he's like, you're not terrified of me. Why Why would you come into this place where, first of all, I've forbidden you to come. But second mm-hmm. of all, how are you not scared enough of me to not actually come here? Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. I don't know. But feel bad for him. He just totally loses it. And then afterwards, you see him realize that he lost it. And, like, the implications that has for him breaking the spell and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still very impulsive at this part in the story. And like you said, this is the point where he starts his explosion that drives her away. And uh, I love, I love, love, love the the feeling that we get from those moments whenever he's like super angry. He just yelled and trashed everything. She ran out of the room and we see him have that realization. And again, there's no words there to muddle it up or anything. They just completely did it with his movements and the music to say, oh, crap. What did I just do? <laughs> right. How many tantrums does he have? Because everything mm. in this room is smashed. <laughs> A day? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, he's definitely has a lot we see him get angry so many times in the small time that we've got to see him with his servants and stuff and that's their number one thing don't lose your temper so it probably happens quite a lot and then the follow-up question to that is does he ever smash any of the servants <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. hopefully not but uh Ugh. 
Cogsworth did have that line in the kitchen when they were getting ready for dinner. And he's like, if the master finds out, it will be our next. So it, it's a possibility. It's just a dark place we don't like to go necessarily. It, it, it could it, it'd be a very different movie once the curse is lifted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad and gross. Well, but there oh, already are carcasses all over his rooms. I mean, we see uh, here in second second 29, that's when Belle's still in there. and She's kind of backing away from him. Uh, we've already seen a few like antlers and stuff and skulls of his snacks. But there's a particular table with like a bone on it. And there are two open books like lying face down or I guess spine up. And I was like, we see later on that he doesn't know how to read. But I wonder if, you know, that's something that he's tried to do to pass the time is tried to teach himself how to read could see be sitting there with these books trying to learn how to read with his snack he's got his little bone there he's gnawing on and then he gets frustrated and he trashes the room more because he can't figure it out so what does he do so what does he do for food since he doesn't have a servant to send out to town to buy things is he just basically hunting or i believe so ah. well then how did they get the food for like the feast that they fed her that they were gonna feed both of them but she ended up Eating yeah, it. I mean, hunting mm. would hunting would give you a mostly carnivorous diet. Yeah, and I would imagine that's what he su- survives on. But then all of the objects, all of his servants, I would assume they don't need anything. They they don't consume anything for energy. But then, yeah, why do they have all this food? So it's either like break out the food storage, and all this stuff has been sitting around for ten years, <laughs> or they have some kind of like animal agriculture there. Or just magic and... Magic. <laughs> There's a magic cupboard somewhere that has food in it all the time. Yeah, I think the answer is don't overanalyze it minute by minute. Yeah. That's what we do here. <laughs> so I think in my rewriting of this story, there's probably going to be a magic cupboard. That makes the most sense. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay, so... I ask everyone this question, Alex. Have you seen the new Beauty and the Beast, the live action one? I actually have not. Uh, <laughs> but I have a lot of uh, friends who are big Disney files. And so I've heard varying opinions about it all oh, over yes. Facebook. Oh, yes. I even have personal varying opinions of it. But I, you're not alone. I've, I've only met one of our guests who has seen it. But... Um, I, uh, going back to what you had said about it being a different story, like if he did smash some of those servants and then after the curse was broken, it would be a little different. That made me think of the new movie because in the fight that they have at the end where they're defending the castle, one of the servants is, one of the musicians is turned into a piano or a spinet or harpsichord. I don't know. One of those things. And like he's shooting his piano keys at people during the fight and then when he turns back into a person he has no teeth left all of the piano i'm spoiling this sorry if anyone i just do this you better be used to it by now i spoil the new movie for everyone um but anyway after it he apparently like all of those keys that they were his teeth and so it did the things that happened to them as objects did translate into their human self that they turned back into afterwards which i hadn't thought too much about until you had brought that up that so when chip turns back into a real boy what's going to be wrong with him Uh, because of that crack in him i i'm 
<laughs> I don't know about that one. They didn't show anything particularly... I'm pretty sure he's missing a tooth when he turns back, isn't he? I think he might be. Ah, there you go. But, uh... That piece of porcelain was the tooth. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, but there you go. <laughs> I personally have other issues with Chip. I mean, we just have to accept that Chip is an enigma that we can't figure out, so... That's all. Oh, <laughs> chip. Chip pots. Um, okay, so at second 38, uh, this is what I was kind of referring to earlier, is when Beast starts to explode and like wreck everything. And if you slow it down and look at it very slowly, you'll notice that the first table he takes out by backhanding it to get it out of the way. And to me, that gave me a feeling like, okay, Belle is not actually in as much danger as she might feel like she's in because... He's not really trying to hurt her or anything. He's just being angry and trashing stuff. So it's not like he's, you know, clawing stuff to death and trying to get at her. He's just upset and, like I said, trashing stuff. And he's using the back of his hand. If you ever hit something with the back of your hand, you can't hit it, like, super hard. And it really hurts if you do. Um, <laughs> so it's just a sign of him being less aggressive than he could be. He could have turned that hand around and, you know, like, clawed into the thing and torn it apart. And I believe the the second thing that he trashes, he also kind of like starts out with a backhand thing and like gets the dressers way out of the way before he starts yelling, get out, get out. <laughs> and so, I don't know, just a little thing. But, but those little details, it's like, okay, he's not actually trying to hurt her. He's just really mad and doesn't know how to control his temper. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't know that. <laughs> this is true. So if we're, are, do, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about in this in while we're in his lair or are we ready to move on to the part where she's running down the stairs the only other thing i had was just like the the oh no what did i do moment which i think you know we already covered that it's epic epic moment awesome so yeah alex yeah. i think i'm good in the lair okay so after she escapes we see her running and you see her running down the stairs and okay first of all where did she get that cape uh I just noticed that. It's like she pulls it out of the dark recess of the staircase. Kind of cool, but creepy at the same time. It doesn't make any sense to me. But she yeah, like took like the time. She took the time to like run to her room to get it. But you don't see it until she's like running. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that'd be the only logical explanation is that on her way running out of the castle, she had the presence of mind to say okay it's going to be cold out there let me grab my cloak and uh then she hasn't had time to throw it on till she's running down the staircase and throwing it on like a boss like you know how hard that's <laughs> got to be to run down curvy stairs and then like throw that thing on perfectly <laughs> mm, she's got skills mad skills yeah no i thought it was just crazy how it like looks like it appears out of nowhere it totally appears out of nowhere but and also, the violins here make me really happy um, yeah. because they just create this sense of, like, rush, hurry, escape. They create, like, they descend as she's descending the... Mm -hmm. And I don't know very much about music, but are those, like, what, eighth notes or something? Like, really fast, like, fast notes, so it creates a sense of urgency. I don't know. I just think <laughs> it's really beautiful and perfectly timed. And orchestration is just amazing to me. I don't know how they do it, but it's awesome. lots of practice. Yes. 
We do need to get a music person on here to talk about the music because I feel like I never have adequate words for how awesome it is. So. I actually just reached out to somebody today to see if they would come on. Nice. So hopefully we'll have someone soon. And if any of you listeners out there are, you know, musical or know stuff about this, <laughs> let us know. Come talk to us about it. Yeah. I yep. got to wonder, uh, how heavy are those doors? They're huge. Yeah. This is a the, rel- the front doors. The front doors, the doors to Beast Slayer, all of them. Those are gigantic yeah. doors. Those have to weigh hundreds of pounds. Is mm-hmm. I, I don't not not living in a manor myself. I don't know. <laughs> is it possible for a small to average size woman to open a great door like that? that? I mean, that must have been somewhat possible because I'm sure when they built it. Regular, I mean, women lived there too. I don't know. I mean, first off, we have to realize that these doors are probably completely unrealistic in how big <laughs> they are. Because, I mean, I'm looking at the, the main doors into the castle, and that's probably like four stories type, you know, yeah. like 30 or 40 feet up. Mm-hmm. So they prob- there probably aren't actually doors that big. And if they were that big, I would assume that that's the kind of stuff you see in movies where you've got like the two guards that are both like pulling on this door thing to to slowly ease it open. So I would say that the only way Bell can operate them is magic. magic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ugh. Like, don't they have a... Isn't there like a... Oh, what's the word? Like, in the way it's designed and the way that it's hung with the hinges and everything... That it should be able to like, <laughs> yeah, open decently. Will help, but it's still big. Yeah, I I've never tried to open a four story door, so I don't actually know how easy or difficult it is. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the engineering you put into it, without some kind of something powering it opening, you still have a door that is probably Massive. at least you know three or four inches thick, solid wood with iron hinges and bracings and that's a lot of wood that is a lot is of wood it's so. a heavy door okay okay I give in. that much mass you just can't oh i mean i guess if they angled the hinges you could have it so that once you unlatch it it would like swing itself open but then it would be even harder to close it so i blame it on the magic yeah 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 this one might have to go down as magic yep i think you're right I did like that. I, I don't think I'd noticed before, but as she's running down the stairs, you can see, well, I guess we probably noticed because I'm guessing in the next minute they, they talk a lot more, but you've got Lumiere and Cogsworth like sitting there on the stairs. So I guess these probably aren't the same stairs that she went up initially because that was like a completely different part of the castle. But have they just been hanging out there or have they been looking for her? They just happen to be there on the stairs as she's running by. And I guess this kind of, goes back to uh what what Tony talked about when when he was on here that they didn't really have a good idea of what the castle was supposed to look like or anything when they were making the movie they just kind of used what they needed and who cares if it actually made sense as far as a layout uh floor plan for the castle <laughs> anyway i think that was the the last note i actually have for this minute yeah i think i'm pretty have much done else? too <laughs> yeah i had a note and I lost it on my page. There it is. The hall is pretty dark, but the carpet is... Boy, that carpet is bright. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. 
big, bright red carpet in the middle of a dark hall. It has to be fancy. I mean, this this castle is an interesting mix of like trashed nastiness and supreme elegance of you <laughs> know the, the French period that it comes from. Which I don't remember what those are, but uh, we talked about that <laughs> a few episodes ago. <laughs> I feel like I thought those pillars were round, but they look like tapered square shaped now. Yeah. Uh, Did you think they were round before too? I feel like I need to go back and check now. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I remember like the little gargoyles on top of them. Yeah. But I thought they were round. This is this is a make or break it thing about this movie. <laughs> If they were round or not. Yeah. I'd honestly be surprised if there is that kind of consistency from beginning to end. Uh, they are squares that taper down. Oh, in the, in the earlier? Yeah, okay. it looks like the, the base of the pillar is more decorated and ornamental hmm. in the first part than it is here where they're smaller. That's all right. I can forgive that. And this is the staircase that she goes down in the, I think it is anyway, in the fancy, you know, ball dress scene. This staircase is? It looks like the same staircase because it's got, you know, it comes in from both sides oh. and then goes down the middle. But I always felt like as soon as they got down on the floor, they started dancing. Yeah. This is not the ballroom. Well, they probably have more than one staircase like that. Hmm. Right? Well, we'll have to rewatch it because I think they, <laughs> did they eat dinner then or is that? Yeah, they ate dinner. So, so maybe they came down the staircase, went to dinner in the dining room and then went over to dance in the ballroom and it just kind of doesn't show us everything. Hmm. Anywho. Oh. Fancy are those castle. vultures? Where? Oh, on top? They look like they are. I never noticed those before. Yeah, vultures and then like winged lion looking creatures yeah. on the bottom. We've seen lots of those. I guess I had never met noticed vultures before though. Didn't meet any vultures in this movie yet. Yep, yep, yep. Interesting. Well, like I said, that's all I've got for this minute. Me too. Yeah. So, Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself or your podcast or anything else that you'd like people to, to check out? Yeah. So, like I think we said at the beginning, I'm working on Galaxy Quest Minute. We'll be dropping the pilot right around the same time that this episode should drop. And then we'll be starting uh, regular episodes in the fall. Uh, about three should be three episodes a week. I'm already so pumped about our lineup of guests, including... <laughs> Dear uh, Bobby and Janae here. <laughs> Yay, Yay! I'm excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> should should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sick of the movie yet, which is, I think <laughs> is a good step. Uh huh. It's definitely a good sign, yeah. especially since you haven't really started working on the recording yet. <laughs> <laughs> at, yeah. at the point that we're recording this, anyway, I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, oh, yeah. you'll have been recording. And I guess we should probably explain, because apparently some of my family, I don't know about the rest of our listeners, but like I talked to my sister and I was like, hey, are you listening to the podcast? And she's like, yeah, but sometimes I can't find like the, the website page to listen on. So sometimes I don't listen to him because I can't find the page. And I'm like, well, why don't you just subscribe to the podcast? And it shows up on your phone automatically and you don't have to do anything. Yeah. And she's like, what? podcast <laughs> so in case you are listening to this podcast and don't know much about podcasts there should be an app on your phone if you have an iphone or you can download a podcasting app on your android device and then you could find this podcast by searching beastly minute and subscribe to it and it will automatically download new episodes as soon as they're published to your device or you can mess with the settings if you don't want to download stuff. You know, if you only want to do Wi-Fi or whatever. Anyway, you can subscribe to the podcast. And this is especially nice for situations like with Alex, since when this episode comes out, they'll probably just have their pilot out. So you can search it, subscribe to the pilot episode, 
And then as soon as their normal episodes start coming out, you'll already get them. You won't have to remember when they're going to start. They'll just show up on your device and it'll be amazing. Google Play. I have it on Google Play. I think we're on iTunes, right? Yeah, we're on iTunes, iTunes, we're on Google Google Play. Play. I think we're on Stitcher as well. But most podcast apps will search iTunes and so Mm. it'll show up on your phone from there. You'll find... So yeah, subscribe to ours, subscribe to the Galaxy Quest Minute, and you will have plenty of good audio to listen to while you drive or work out or whatever it is you do while you listen to these things. And can I just throw in a quick plug for our Twitter, at Galaxy Quest Min. Uh, We're starting to throw in a little bit of updates on where we are in pre-production and things like that. So if you're big on the Twitter, you'll occasionally (laughs) see us post things and... You'll know that we're coming soon. Yes. And I would suggest, you don't, definitely don't have to do this, but I think, I didn't think of it till recently, of getting an Instagram account. And usually, you know, we talk about these crazy details in here and I'll do screenshots of them and share them on Instagram. So if you're following our Instagram feed, you can see images of all these little details we're talking about. And then you don't have to try to remember the movie. You can just check out your Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Awesome. And we didn't ask you, I forgot to ask, do you remember the first time you saw Beauty and the Beast? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I was I was three when it first came out, so I'm sure mm-hmm. I don't remember the very first time I saw it. But I remember particularly enjoying the scene when they try to maraud the, the manor and all the... Mm-hmm. All the uh, servants defend defend the castle. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that scene I just loved so much. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the movie, you, you take it or leave it. When I was a five year old boy, but <laughs> watching knives and drawers fight people was I was all over that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty great scene. I'm excited to get to the point where we're we're talking about that one. Is that whole? I mean, the mob song leading into it. Oh, it oh just I love the mob song. Gets you going. So good. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this minute. Alex, we're so glad that you got to come on here and be with us for this minute and share your thoughts and opinions. For sure, listeners, check out the Galaxy Quest Minute podcast. Uh, I can say that correctly. And uh, check out their Twitter. Make sure that you're up to date on what's going on with them because that podcast is going to be epic. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. And if you want to get a hold of us before our next episode comes out, as always, you can find us on growlermedia.com. You can check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you are. We are at Beastly Minute and you can find us that way. Janae, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? You can get a hold of me through email, janae.hyatt at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to um, take a listen to my voiceover portfolio, you can go over to janaehyatt.com. Awesome. Also, don't forget to check out Duo Hansen, who does our theme music for us. We're very grateful to them. Uh, so be sure to check them out on YouTube. And until next time, God out! God I'm Bobby from Growler Media.
Huh? And I'm Janae. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hello? Bobby, you there? Hello? No. I think we lost Bobby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. Uh-oh. Where'd everybody go? I so, hear a baby. Yeah, he's just waking up. Let me uh let me go take him out real quick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are so cheesy. I'm keeping your bones.